school service uh, today. Obviously, many of our kids are going back to school in the next couple of weeks. And so we decided, man, what a great time to kind of package this whole series in a university kind of platform. And so we're calling it the University of Prayer. We even have spirit wear available. Come on, Holy Spirit wear, right? There you go. And I love University of Prayer spells up because we're going up, right? We're going up a level in our spiritual walk. We're going up in our authority, up in our knowledge. And so we're super excited about God giving us some faith today. So why don't you go ahead and open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Luke. And we're going to start in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. I want to talk to us about prayer today. If I was to title the message, it would be, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. You know, I, I use the word prayer, and there's a lot of assumptions in the room that we, we know prayer. Sometimes we could even put prayer in a common place in our head. Oh yeah, I understand that. It's funny, I remember uh, being a, a youth pastor for a, a high school. I was a chaplain for a Christian high school for a number of years, and I worked with a junior high, and I worked with the high schoolers, and I remember this one little junior high guy one time, he was out in the hallway, and he was, you know, crying, and he was upset about something, and and I was trying to share some things about God with him. And he looked at me and he was like, oh, I know everything there is to know about the Bible. And I was like, dude, you're in junior high. I was like, you, you don't even know how to shave yet. And you're telling me you know everything there is to know about the Word of God or about the things of God. And, and it was funny because the more you know God, the more you spend time with God, how many of you know you realize how much more there is of God to know? He is infinitely amazing, infinitely interesting. And even when it comes to this concept of prayer, if we can take a posture of a childlike faith and an open heart and open mind saying, God, teach me something fresh about prayer today. Teach me something new about prayer today. Because assumptions are going to put walls up. Amen? But when you have an open heart and open mind, you say, God, I've been praying for 40 years, but I know I can even grow in that. I can learn something new today. And the Holy Spirit's going to take up with you in that. So here in Luke chapter 11, I love this in verse 1. Once Jesus in a certain place was praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so then Jesus began to teach on prayer. I'm actually going to go take you to Matthew now. If you go to the book of Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at that prayer in a little more expanded verse. So go to Matthew chapter 5 in your Bible. But I wanted to show you there, here's the disciples. And they observed Jesus praying. And one of the disciples just looked at him and said, you know, Lord, would you teach us what you're doing there? Would you teach us something knew about prayer. I mean, prayer wasn't something unfamiliar to the Jewish nation. They had spiritual prayer times, religious prayer times. But here, they're seeing something in Jesus that was different, something that was fresh, something where he had a relationship, a connection. There was an authority when Jesus prayed. There was a peace when Jesus prayed. And so this, this disciple looked at him and said, Lord, we want to know more. We want to learn about prayer. Don't you love that posture of the disciple there? God, I know there's more. I can see on your life that there's more to this prayer thing than what I thought. More than just this religious version of prayer. And so I'm going to the source. I'm going to Jesus. And I'm saying, Jesus, teach me how to pray. And maybe that's our prayer today. How many of you would love Jesus to get involved and to show you more and more efficient, better, more powerful, more relational ways to pray. Anybody in that posture today? God, I don't care how much I've prayed. I don't care what I've heard about prayer. Lord, teach me to pray. And there's something in that verse as well that's really interesting. And, and that's how prayer so many times is caught, not only taught. 
So as much as I want to teach you in the next three weeks about prayer, and here's one of the reasons why, faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word about something. And so I'm not here today just to look at you and say, you should pray more. You should, you should, you should. No, no, no. My desire over the next few weeks is to show us the power of prayer, to show us the value of prayer, to show us God's promises in prayer, and let the word of God put faith in your heart to begin to take up with God in prayer again. Amen? Now, many of us have had things that have gone on in our life. Sometimes you go through seasons where you feel like your prayer is hitting a glass ceiling. But you know what? How many of us have been in those seasons, and we can tell people in that season right now, that season will end, and you'll see that that, that, that ceiling was never glass. That God was always moving. See, when you're in the middle of that moment, you have these lies in your head that, that make you think that God isn't listening and you're being moved by emotion, or you're being moved by circumstance. But all of us have gone through those seasons, but all of us are still here standing saying, just hold on, just keep praying, just keep believing because that ceiling's gonna burst. Amen. And you will see God's faithfulness and you will see that he was, his ear was never closed to your prayers. But prayer, not only taught, caught, sometimes we can learn about prayer, read about prayer, but you have to engage in it. You just got to do it and be around people that love to pray. Even when I was a young man growing up, that's how I learned to pray. That's why I'm a walker when I pray. Some people are kneeling, kneeler prayers. Some people are standstill prayers. Some people love to put their face on the ground and pray. However you probably were brought up and you were in that environment might be how you connect. For me, I'm a walker. I'm a pacer. Anyone, I got any other walkers out there? Prayer walkers? I, when, I get, when I get in my neighborhood, I love walking the sidewalks. I love walking around my house praying. I love walking the city praying. I love walking the sanctuary. I've prayed over, over almost all of these chairs, laying hands on them. I am a walker. And that was something that I picked up because prayer is often caught, not just taught. And so today, as much as I want to teach you, I don't want it just to be an education. I don't want it just to be something you listen to. I want it to be something you catch as a, as a, as a, as a, as from heart to heart, spirit to spirit. When we have times at the altar in the next few weeks, come up and let us just get all in your life there with prayer and just get connected and close to people that are praying. When we have opportunities where you pray by yourself, then come and be around other people that are walking or kneeling and just get in that atmosphere of prayer. It's okay to even sit there and watch a little bit and just kind of let it rub off on you because prayer is a lifestyle. It's not just a lesson. It's not just something else we write down and, and put it in a drawer. This is who we are. We are a people that pray, amen. So Lord, teach me to pray. They were around a praying Savior. And in that, they got caught up saying, Lord, we want to learn. We want to be prayers as well. Prayer matters, amen. Are you ready? Matthew, you in the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, let's go ahead and jump into verse 7. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. So now here, um, after saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. Actually, I believe I am in the wrong spot here. Matthew 6, thank you very much. Matthew 6, verse 7. So Jesus, in expounding on prayer, he begins like this. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. And so I think it's interesting, real quick, to pause there. Say, Jesus is really trying to help them see. See, the Gentile, the word Gentile there is, is an individual that does not have a connection to God. And so here, in that Gentile mindset, they think it's the amount of praying that gets my God's attention. Or the volume, or the repetition, or somehow earning God's attention, my, my false God's attention, my idol, my God of rock or stone or, 
or metal. And maybe if I just do this or do that, he'll listen. And Jesus is telling you right before you get into prayer and teaching on prayer, he's trying to say, get into this mind space. You are no longer like the Gentiles. Come on now. You are no longer trying to get your God's attention. You have God's attention. Can someone say amen to that? You have God's undivided attention. And you don't earn his favor by the volume of your prayer. You don't earn it by just repeating things mindlessly. God wants your mind involved. He wants your heart involved. This is a discussion. This is a time of fellowship. This is a time of declaring and God coming through with his promise. This is not like it was before you had relationship with God. See, there's all kinds of religions that pray. But we're not We do not have faith in prayer. We have faith in our God. We have faith in our God who hears us when we pray. Amen. And so the desire here is not just to go through these routines of prayer, but to have this mindset. Jesus is just saying, hey, you're not like those who don't, who have a God that isn't listening or isn't interested. God is listening. And you don't have to just repeat, repeat, because he's already listening. He's right there near you. You could just whisper that prayer even, and he's listening. And you're not earning anything by the amount. It's just if you want to be with him more, be with him more. You see there? And so here Jesus is just telling us, get in this mind space. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need as we've forgiven those who sin against us. Do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And Jesus gives this beautiful prayer that many of us have learned in our life growing up. And just some key thoughts to keep in mind as we move into a time of prayer and as we become people of prayer. See, before we move into a bunch of vision for the church and new seasons and next things, how many of you know we need to start in a posture of connecting to God and leaning not on our own understanding? We need to start in a position of, of praying first and then moving from what we hear. Because here's the key. The God that we're praying to, he speaks back to us. He has thoughts about all these things that you're going through in your life right now. He has answers. He has solutions. He has promises. He has all kinds of things. And I love that Jesus, when he was teaching us how to pray, he said this. He said, start with like this. Our Father. Not just Jesus' Father or not some other person's Father. But he's saying, look, when you pray, start with relationships. Start with our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. You have been adopted in, and it all goes back to Jesus again. Everything we're talking about today, this access that we have with God, the authority we have in prayer, the promises that God is backing up with his his name and his power and his angels and all kinds of equipment, it's all linked into Jesus. Jesus, because of the blood of Jesus, we were on the outside. We were Gentiles, but now we've been brought in. We have been brought nigh. And so today, I don't know where you feel you are right now, but if you've committed your heart to Jesus, if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, you can cry out to God from whatever place you're in right now, and you can say, Father. You can say, Daddy. See, God isn't looking for a religious prayer here. God isn't looking for formula and tradition. God is trying to get something to you, and he's trying to get something through you. Come on now, do you hear this? It's not about performance. It's not about performance and ceremony and making it sound great. You can just call out to God, and he's right there. He's right there because Jesus has brought you so close. We can feel distant, but the reality is in Christ He's right here. 
Amen. He's right here. Amen. And so our Father is in heaven. So the other portion I want to show you in this verse, and I'm going to show you a couple things today. What's my main theme today, my main goal in the idea of prayer? My main goal is that prayer has tremendous power available to us when we pray. And so as much as I want you to know that Jesus positions you to be able to pray, and you're not like the Gentiles, and how Jesus wants you to have this mindset of God is your Father, I really want to hone in on this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This concept of tremendous power being made available to us when we pray. Prayer can be very relational. That's a good thing. Sometimes we pray and we repent and we ask for forgiveness. That's a good thing. Sometimes we pray just to listen and get wisdom and the word of God. There's so many ways and reasons to pray. But the thing I want to focus on today as we start this series of University of Prayer is as much as prayer is about, you know, forgiveness and cleansing and, you know, uh, relationship and wisdom and getting in his presence, I want to remind us that prayer changes things in the natural. Prayer moves mountains. Someone say amen to that. Prayer changes physical circumstances. And again, it's not the prayer, it's the one we're praying to. Come on. It's that you have access to God who gets involved in our real lives. Sometimes we make it so spiritual and so in eternity one day or in heaven one day. My friend, I'm here to remind you that one of the reasons Jesus died on that cross to give you this this grace position, to give you this righteousness, is so that you could lay hold of heaven and bring God's will into the earth. When you pray for a city, we can change the city. When you pray for your family, you can change things, physical things, in the family. You can change job situations. You can change financial situations. You can change physical healing situations. You can change circumstances. Amen. Prayer moves things in the natural. It's not just fellowship. It's not just forgiveness and holiness and worship and presence. Prayer matters. When God's people pray to their Father, we're the only ones that have that access to the eternal realm. So we have this responsibility to pray. Sometimes, i got to slow down so I can let you celebrate. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I just get going on this thing. All right, you ready? See, sometimes we think by missing time with God, it's, well, I just missed my devotional time. And that's true. We, We have devotions with the Lord fellowship, love time, presence time, whatever. But you know what, my friends? There are times we have to realize prayer is responsibility. And if we don't pray, there are things that are not happening in the earth that should be happening because God's people didn't didn't lay hold of heaven and bring it into the earth. It's not because God didn't will it. It's not because God doesn't have a plan. It's because God has chosen to partner with us for his will in heaven to be brought into the earth. See, when Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray, he's spreading a value on this. He's he's saying, look, God has a will, and God is partnering with your prayers to bring his will from his throne in heaven into the earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we're silent, we're too busy or whatever, or, or we have all these other words to speak about our economic situation in America or COVID-19 or political things or whatever. If we have all these words about it, but we fail to pray, then we're not connecting to our power ability. 
It's not a little thing when we say, hey, we need to pray for the nation. We need to pray for the church. We need to pray over the economy. We must come together and pray because we are the only ones on the planet that have this ability to pull and take the will of God from heaven and see it manifest in the earth. The world cannot do that. We can. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? When I think about prayer, man, I get, st- I want to say stoked, but I don't think that's like a, like a polished enough word today. I feel stoked about it. This fire in me that says, God, when we pray, we can change things. We can change things. And God partners with us to see those things come to pass. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 11. Let's jump over to the book of Mark a little bit. Is it okay to jump around in your Bibles a little bit? Different things bring out different elements when it comes to a topic. And today's main thought, again, the big idea, is that prayer has tremendous power made available through it. Because of who we're praying to. Our faith, again, is not in prayer. Our faith is in the God who's listening. Our faith is in the God who's partnering. Prayer is how we connect. In Mark chapter 11, you see this journey. And it's this, I believe there's a continuous story here. Now, this is my opinion on this interpretation. It's totally cool if you've got your own opinion on it. But I'm going to take you through the thought process that God brought me on in Mark chapter 11 here. Here you see Jesus cursing a fig tree. What, is he, what do I mean by that? Maybe you're new to the Bible. Jesus is on a journey with his disciples. They're kind of walking along. They're hungry. There's this tree uh, that he's hungry. So he's wanting figs. And he goes to get figs and there's no figs. And so Jesus says, you will never bear fruit again. And then he just keeps walking, right? So what happens is then he goes into the temple in verse 15. They arrive back in Jerusalem, and Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace, and he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple or my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. Let me say this real quick about my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. I love that Jesus invites every single tribe, every single tongue, every single, I mean, I shouldn't say every single gender, there's only two, um, to pray for all nations. My house is a house of prayer for all nations. No one who desires to come and pray is put out. It doesn't matter. And I love that it's, there's wealthy nations, there's poor nations. There's nations that are are corrupt and nations that have, you know, honored God. And Jesus is saying, look, just come. Just come. No matter your history, no matter your background, no matter if you feel worthy or not, no matter if your family lineage was godly or not, my house is a house of prayer for everyone. Come to me. Come to me and pray. Let's talk. Let's, let's, Let's engage together and watch what I'm going to do. God wants to make sure his house feels inviting and welcome, and it's a call to everyone to pray. Not to pray so we can go through religious cycles, but to pray so that people know they have access to God. Amen. And he's listening and he's moving on their behalf. Come one, come all, come to God's house to pray. Now we also know that God's house is not just this building. Now there it was the temple, the physical temple, but later on in the New Testament, we know that you are now the temple of the Spirit of God. Amen? And you are called a house of prayer. Isn't that awesome? 
So here he says, look, my house shall be a house of prayer. And then obviously the, the priest didn't care for this throwing over money tables and kicking out the merchants. So when the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning on how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed. That evening, Jesus and his disciples left the city. The next morning, they passed by the fig tree. Here's this fig tree again that he had cursed. And the disciples noticed it. They had withered from the roots. And Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, this fig tree that you cursed, it withered up and died. Like, Peter was amazed. He's like, something actually happened. Like when you spoke and you decreed something over that tree, it physically changed. It wasn't just a throwaway thing. Amen. But when you declared what you declared actually changed the physical circumstance. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I love this. See, I believe this whole journey of when he first went to the fig tree and then he reminded everybody that we're supposed to be a house of prayer is that Jesus is still, he's still kind of demonstrating and illustrating this whole concept of prayer. Like, why is it so important that my house is a house of prayer? Because when my house prays or when my people pray, things change. Circumstances change. And that's why it's kind of captured in this whole story. I know it was like a, a few hours in between, maybe 12 hours from when he started to when he, he kind of declares the ending. But I love how, how the, the, the writer of the gospel here in Mark, that he puts all of this story together in one long passage. I personally believe it's all meant to show us about prayer. It's all meant to show us that prayer matters and prayer changes things not only in the spirit realm, but also in the natural, physical realm. See, if we believe that prayer just changes things in the spirit, it's, it's really easy to just kind of put it off to one day or the unseen realm. But yes, does it affect the unseen realm? Absolutely. But we cannot forget that it also, prex, it also affects the immediate physical realm and circumstances. And so here Jesus says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart and you and I tell you you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it it will be yours but when you are praying first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that my father in heaven will forgive you your sins also so we'll get into so much of this in the weeks to come but do you see that again Jesus, he, he starts with talking to this physical fig tree. Nothing looks like it's happening immediately. Sometimes you begin to pray in the natural, and it doesn't look like things are changing immediately. But the moment you began to pray, it began to change. He goes in, he reminds everyone, my house is a house of prayer, and that's what we're supposed to be about. All nations, all people have access to this. And then he goes back, and he goes back to that fig tree, and he, re, he shows the results of the power of prayer. The results, because he's talking about when you pray, you can speak to these mountains, these physical situations, these blockages in your life, these, these challenges in your life, and they are changing. Now again, he started that with a fig tree and it didn't change immediately, but it did. Things changed. The moment the word of the Lord was declared, the moment the, the, the promise of God was spoken, the moment uh, the prayer was prayed, it began to wither up from the roots. Maybe there's things you've been praying about that you think aren't changing in the natural, but it's already begun changing in the root system. It's already begun changing in the root system. Amen. And you will see it come to pass. Now, I do love the fact, though, that Jesus gives us a key here about forgiving other people. 
and when we want to see an effective prayer life, we'll get into this a little later, but it is important that we have our heart right with others as well. And we'll get into that. But today is about helping you see you have mountain-moving prayer available to you. Our prayers change the natural realm. Amen. Go ahead and open up your Bibles if you would, please. I want to show you something. Open up your Bibles if you would, please, to the book of James, chapter 5. Book of James, chapter 5. I think this is important today. Again, this concept that you have tremendous power available to you. You have tremendous power available to you when you pray. Verse 13, James 5, verse 13. Have you found it in your Bible? James 5, 13. If you're new to your Bible, I'll give you a little, little time to get there. It's exciting to bring your Bibles to church. It's exciting to go through your Bibles together. James 5, chapter 5, verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? I could ask for a raising of the hands today, and many people would say, yep, <laughs> I'm suffering some hardships. Look what it says. You should pray. That's not the Lord passing you off. That's not the Lord pushing you away with some little, like, religious statement. Do you understand? God is offering for us to pray. That's wonderful. We have the privilege of going into the throne of grace. We have the privilege of God being right here with us, not in some temple on the other side of the world. We have a God who's listening and who's present and, and he's offering to get involved. Isn't that awesome? We have all of this nearness, all of this power made available, and then we, ask our, we can ask ourselves, I wonder how often I tap into that. You know what I mean? Like, it's there every day. And if you ever go through hardship, man, God, Jesus is saying, the Word of God is telling you here, man, take it up with prayer. That's not God saying, hey, just suck it up, little camper, it'll just go away. He's saying, let's do something about that hardship. Come on. Let's pray about this hardship. Let's begin to decree my promises in this hardship. Let's begin to send my angels on behalf of this hardship. Let's begin to wither that hardship up by the root system. Come on, let's do some work together. You have access to all of heaven, my friend. Let's not just stay in hardship complaining about the hardship. Let's do something about it. Pray. Pray, 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 pray. And I remember there have been times in my life where I was more quick to pray than other times in my life for a number of reasons. Probably the times in my life that I've been the least quick to pray is after I've had a disappointment somewhere in my prayer life or prayer journey where I was praying for something and I didn't see it come to pass. I had a loved one that I might have been praying for. Maybe they went to heaven earlier or maybe there was something that I really thought was God's will and it didn't come to pass and I've been discouraged. Is it okay to say that you can have discouraging moments in prayer? Is that okay to be honest with that? The truth is God will prove himself faithful if you keep, keep going to him. But I think those are the times that we find ourselves falling out of that being quick to pray kind of mentality. I don't have answers for all those things. All of us have experienced them. My mom passed away a few years ago. I remember praying for her. We have some things we pray about in our family all the time when it comes to healing and freedom over some things, and those miracles have been taking a lot longer than I thought they would. There have been things I used to pray for the church that I was really hoping in our old church in Illinois were going to happen, and it didn't go that way. And I remember being discouraged. But the only solution to that is just to go back to the Word of God and say, God, but you said, and to start praying again, and to start trusting again. The Bible says, do not be overcome by evil, but you overcome evil by doing good. Can we say, God, there's some questions that I may have, but 
I'll save them for eternity. I'm going to get back to what I know I need to be doing right now. I need to go back to praying. I need to start talking to you again. God, you are faithful. I don't blame you for any of those questions. I don't blame you for any of those disappointments. I don't blame you for any of those things. I have questions. You have answers. And one day, maybe if they still matter when I'm standing in glory. I don't even know the truth is. A lot of those questions probably won't even matter when you're seeing Jesus face to face, right? But it's real. And we need to identify that we stopped praying when we got disappointed. And then we need to be honest with ourselves and say, you know what, I need to get back and start talking to God again. I've gotten out of the habit of talking to God. I've gotten out of the habit of going to God with my hardship. I've allowed um, bitterness to get in there. I've allowed doubt to get in there. I've allowed, you know, I'm slow to believe where I used to be quick to believe. And the word of God is the solution to that. Getting around people that pray will help you with that. Even if you right away it's hard for you to pray, then go get around other people that it's not hard for them to pray. And let, again, prayer get caught back into your life again. Is this making sense to anybody around you? This is real talk about prayer. This isn't just being religious about prayer. This is where life is right now. We've all been through these things. And so Jesus is telling us, or the Word of God is telling us here, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? Then call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. We do that here almost every Sunday. We'll have our altar teams up here, and they're ready to pray with you and believe God for, for healing over your body. And I love the certainty of this verse. I think that's so cool. It's, are any of you sick? Well, man, let's just pray about it and get over it. Like, let's just get done. It's not like, let's just pray over it and, you know, it's going to, you know, God's teaching you something and just keep it for a while. It's like solution-driven. This concept of, like, let's come and pray and let's get you healed and let's get you back out to the mission of God for your life. Don't you love that? I love the certainty that the Lord is helping us. If there's a hardship, let's pray about it and we're going to take care of that. You know, if, if there's sickness among you, let's go get the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint you with oil. Let's get you healed and get you on with your life. You know, your life is, God's got so much more for you in life to be doing than to just focusing on these things. He wants to heal you, deliver you, fix you, and send you. You know, and I just love the certainty when it comes to confidence in prayer. Um, such, a, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Would you please underline that in your Bibles? Some Bibles say the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous person avails much. I want us to see something here. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah, now if you're new to the Bible, Elijah was an Old Testament prophet, had major signs and wonders, like called fire down out of heaven kind of stuff. So that's the Elijah he's talking about here. Elijah was a human as we are. Please underline that in your Bible. Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Why would the scripture place Elijah in that context of prayer? I personally believe it's because, again, it's like I'm trying to accomplish today. The Word of God is trying to help us realize how much power is available to us to effect great change. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous person produces wonderful results, avails much. Oh, and let me give you an illustration of how much it 
produces. Do you remember Elijah? Do you remember how he's a human just like you? Come on. It didn't say he was a prophet. It didn't say he was supernatural. It didn't say anything. It identified him in his humanity just like you. Do you remember Elijah and how he stopped the heavens when he spoke to the natural realm? He spoke to the physical circumstances. He stopped to the heavens. Even the heavens obeyed him. And then when he said it was time to rain, it was time to rain. And the Bible's showing you this illustration to help you understand what kind of tremendous power is available to you. Again, this isn't just feel-good power. This isn't just goosebump power. This isn't just give you peace until you die power. This is let's change circumstance power. This is the wonderful working power of God. Amen. And you are human just like Elijah was human. He didn't have power in prayer because he was superhuman. He had power because of the God he was praying to. And because of Jesus, you have been brought into that kind of divine relationship with him. You have tremendous power, physical, life-transforming, circumstance-changing power available to you. So I know what you're already thinking. Some of you are thinking, but I'm not as righteous as Elijah. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Because here's what happens. We, we go, oh, yeah, I get that, Pastor Kevin. I get that. That's why I take all my prayer requests to my super righteous grandmother. Because when she prays, she's so righteous. God listens to her. Let me tell you something, my friend. There's only one righteousness that we get, and it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Your grandmother is no more righteous than you when you put your faith in Jesus. Come on now. We have, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have in our heads said that person, God listens to them because they're righteous. Or that person, God listens to them because they're righteous. But according to the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. And that is in Christ Jesus. So you may not feel righteous. You may not feel, the word righteous, if you're new to church, means right with God. Right standing with God. And there are times you don't feel like you're in right standing. I get that. There are days when I get out of the bed, and man, I feel so holy and spiritual. I haven't sinned in like 30 minutes. I mean, it's a fresh day. I feel like I could part the water in a water water fountain. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me a water fountain. Then there are days you get up and you feel like you can't even part your hair. You feel lousy. You feel like you are the worst person, whatever. But I'm telling you, on your worst day, on your best day, if you have faith in Christ, it is the same righteousness. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. But we don't, we don't come to God based on our righteousness. We come to God based on a finished work of Jesus. And so when it says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous person, you need to put your name in there. Because in Christ, you are as righteous as you'll ever be. It is one kind of righteousness. It is pure, it is perfect, and it is Jesus Christ's righteousness. And so we do a disservice when we say that person's closer to God or that person's holier or that person's more righteous. Your God is as near to you as he is to anyone. Your God is as near to you as he was to Elijah. Your God is as near to you as he was even to Jesus. When he walked the earth, he's as near to you as he was to all the disciples. And you say, but Pastor Kevin, look at me. I'm so imperfect. I know. We're all imperfect. And I just messed up yesterday or I just messed up today. Thank God for righteousness from Jesus. 
Thank God for Jesus. It's all based on Jesus. Remember, he's been made your father, not based on your good works, but based on Jesus. And God is saying, call him father when you feel righteous and when you don't feel righteous. Sometimes it takes such great faith to begin to pray to God even when you don't feel worthy. And you don't let the devil win because sometimes we stop talking to God because we don't feel worthy to talk to God. And so we wait until we feel holy again or we feel forgiven or we feel close. The truth is you are close. Just start talking to God. Just start calling out to him. Just start praying today, today, today. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.